welcome to Touched by Prayer. Thank you so much for joining us. I am your host tonight, Jesse Berkey. And yes, you are in the right spot. Yes, this is Touched by Prayer. And we are so, I am so excited to have you join us tonight. We've got a great show for you. And uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a great night. This is a night of new experiences. This is, uh, I have the privilege and the honor of hosting Lisa Perna's show, Touched by Prayer, tonight. And we have an amazing, exciting guest for you, uh, some, someone that a lot of you have been asking questions about and wondering, okay, how did, how did this woman become uh, or, or come into the place that she is now? Like, what happened, what unfolded in her life? What were the twists and turns that she, that she traveled on to be able to come into the position where she's hosting a radio show, where she's speaking to people who are complete strangers and, and getting these words of knowledge for them and, and blessing them in ways that they, that they had no idea that they were going to be blessed in when they woke up that morning. People in, in having just horrific times in their lives being lifted up by, by these words and the love that, that is just uh, displayed through her heart. And you're going to get an opportunity to hear some of that tonight. You're going to get an opportunity to, to hear some of the journey that Lisa, yeah, that's my guest tonight, Lisa Perna is the guest tonight. The tables are turned, and she is going to be on the other end, and you're going to get to experience, you're going to get to hear some of her journey tonight. So, Lisa, welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is kind of surreal in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, how does it, first of all, how does it feel to be on the other end of this? I'm actually excited because I don't know what's going to come next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because I was thinking, you know, this is a, this is a night of, of some new experiences. You know, you being on the other end, me being on this end interviewing you. And, you know, it wasn't the first new experience that I had tonight. And this is kind of way off topic, but I was just thinking about it. So let's talk about it. Lisa, have you ever sent food back from a restaurant? Heck yeah. <laughs> How did I know that was going to be your answer? I was like, I'm going to ask her, and she's going to be like, yes, I have sent food back. I actually sent something back for the very first time tonight. Okay. It must have been really yeah. bad. Uh, it, was, it was a pork chop that uh, I don't know what they did to it, but it was, it was way past <laughs> way past done. And, you know, maybe it's just been because I saw too many movies or whatever, but I had just always been really nervous about sending food back, but I could not let this one slide. I, this is way past the done mark. So, I mean, what, what did you send back? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I've sent back a lot of stuff. But, <laughs> what but, did you send back today? <laughs> to, uh, nope, today I didn't. But I will tell you this. When I send something back, I never order the same thing. I order okay. something different. So then that way, they can't just take it and put it on a new plate. Aha. Yeah. Ah, so, ah. That's, that's wisdom yeah, right well, there. Yeah, I've worked in a restaurant for many, many years. <laughs> and so you... Oh, I made the mistake. I ordered the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But it was good. <laughs> it was better. So, but um, yeah, I just, like I said, I'm very excited to, to be on this end and just to have a chance to talk to you and for you to get a chance to tell your audience, uh, because there, there's a lot of curiosity on how you came uh, to the place that you're at right now and, and kind of what were some of the these struggles that, and victories that you experienced in your life. And, and so I'm excited to be able to ask you some questions about that. But um, how was your day today? I mean, I, your Sunday, I mean, did you have any amazing experiences today? Yes, today, today was awesome. Today I, I got to pray over somebody at my work, and it was – it's always I, – I absolutely love to have a God encounter. 
that's yeah. that's like my favorite. It's like if I can have a God encounter every single day, that would just be my that would be like that's a perfect day for me. Yeah, yeah. So is this as far as God encounters go, like what what's your what's your ideal God encounter? I mean, is it does it have to do with somebody else? Like what's your favorite God encounter? Okay. First I love to see somebody experiencing God for the first time because it's yeah. almost like seeing somebody being born wow. and it truly is somebody opening up their eyes, the scales being removed and for them to see the glory and the love that the father has for them. It, there is just absolutely nothing like it. Hmm. So this, this passion inside of you to, to see just the love of God come alive in other people is kind of what you're putting words to here. I want to I want to go back. I want to go back. Uh, you said you had a, a, a really amazing encounter today, and I'm really curious to, to kind of track that journey. How you got into the place to where you were even able to hear God, to have an encounter like that with Him, minister to other people, get uncomfortable, have the boldness to speak the words that God placed on your heart. But um, you're you're in New Jersey. So yes, I was born in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey until. I was 14, and at 14 years old, my parents decided to move to Florida. So I kind of am a Florida girl as well, Jess. Okay. <laughs> so I lived in Florida. <laughs> I went to high school in Florida, but I always yeah. felt the calling back to New Jersey. So I did come back to Jersey back, I think, in 1988. But okay. when I was in Florida, that – okay, so this is the thing. When I was in Florida – like, I was a freshman, I think, and I started to hang out with some people who were going to this church, and they used to have these really fun Sunday teen night or Saturday teen nights. And so that's, I would go out with them and we would go bowling and we would do all these really great things and we would hear scripture and I went on camping trips with them. And I, gave, and I actually gave myself to the Lord when I was 16 years old. I became a born-again okay. Christian. I was water baptized. And so I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. That same, that same year that I was water baptized and, and in, this, in this church, my mother, because I was raised Catholic, my mother said, you can't go to this church anymore. You are a Catholic. You are supposed to be Catholic. So I don't know how she did, but she coerced this poor priest into confirming me. So if yeah, I so wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Baptists, I was filled with the Catholics. At least that's what I thought. So what was it like? Your, your parents were Catholic. Was it just your mother or your father as well? No, both of them. Both of them. Okay, so what was it like then growing up with two Catholic parents? Were they very Orthodox? Were they, were they all about the traditions of, of the, the Catholic doctrine? Or what was, what was that kind of like to grow up in? Not so much. I mean, we, I had to go to church every Saturday or Sunday. We had to go to church on Sunday because we had to give the offering. That was so important. And I think it's because my, kid, my younger brother and sister were in Catholic school. So that was really important that you tithe. So, okay. so we had to go. But the, but the really interesting thing, Jesse, is that like I used to talk to God a lot when I was a kid growing up. I used to talk to God a lot. Like lots and lots. I loved going to church. I never complained about going to church. I love going to church. Like it wasn't an issue for me because I always loved God. Like that's never ever, like I can't say I was an atheist or I stopped believing. I've always, always loved God. Always. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because sometimes I know that, that a lot of times children are much more sensitive to the things of God and the spiritual realm and the supernatural than adults can be. And I think that there could be a lot of reasons for that. One, 
uh, one of which is, you know, the increase of, of bondage that, and, and just the crud that can come in from life choices and life experiences as we grow older that can kind of provide a buffer against the things that God wants to do in our lives. But when you, when you were a child and you were thinking about God and talking to God, what, was your, what did God look like to you then? He never looked like anything, but I heard him. I definitely yeah. heard him. And there, there are certain things that the Lord brought back to my memory just like recently where I, I used to have like crazy, like crazy encounters would happen. Like when my, my brother was a musician and we, we went to go and find him at this um, concert at um, Central Park. And there was something inside of me. It was like, your brother's here. Your brother's here. And so I said to my mother, I said, I'm going to go find my brother, Rick. And there was something on the inside that said, he's backstage, go backstage. And so I, I just by this prompting, I went and I said, my brother's backstage. He's a friend of, 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 and the, the guy who was playing that day was Pete Seeger, who's a folk musician. And so this, you know, this bouncer looked at me. I was like eight years old and he just looked at me and he's like, all right. So he took me, he <laughs> actually took me to Pete Seeger's dressing room. And this wow. is this is the cool part of how God works because he used a donkey to to get a message. Well, he used this 8-year-old girl who just didn't know what she was doing. But I was in the dressing room with Pete Seeger. I started to talk about my big brother. And I started to talk about what a great musician he was and how he loved Pete Seeger and he's almost as good of a banjo player as Pete Seeger and Pete Seeger's like a phenomenal banjo player. But I yeah. I had this encounter and it was so pure and it was just so innocent. And uh, my brother wasn't there. And so we left. Well, the next day, I tried to explain this to my brother, and he dismissed me. Like, what do you do? You know, and he actually yeah. went to Hoboken to go and hear Pete Seeger play at someplace else. Well, he was outside of the, the arena where Pete Seeger was playing, and Pete Seeger walked by, and he introduced himself because he's a very— he was a very humble man. And so he introduced himself to all these people. And when he got to my brother, <clears throat> my brother said, my name's Rick Polari. And Pete looked at him because the day before he heard about him. And he said, Rick Polari, I met your sisters and I heard you're a great banjo player. Why don't you come up wow. on stage and play with me? It changed my brother's life. It changed his wow. complete destiny. Because after he sat with Pete Seeger and he, he was able to, to obtain information. He was able to have a mentor. And they started this beautiful friendship from such an innocent meeting that God set up. It was so much a God set up. Well, I love that. And, and just the, the willingness of, of you as an eight-year-old just to go and do that, even, even at that age, to be used by God in that way. And the beautiful thing was that you just went and did it. And, you know, Jesus says, become like a child, become like a child, you know, to, to just go and just trust what he's doing and where he's leading, even if you didn't necessarily fully comprehend, and, and maybe you did. I mean, did you, were you fully comprehending what was leading you to go backstage at that point? No. No, right. it was just a knowing. That's yeah, all it was. Yeah. It was just this knowing. But what, what God started to unravel, like when I, when I started to realize that I heard from him, is he said, Lisa, you've always heard from me. And he started to remind me of these different times and these different situations. He, he actually brought me to a comedy club where I met my husband. 
And I heard it as clear as day, go to Rascals Comedy Club. I heard it as clear as day. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to Rascals and I'm going to get a job there. And I always felt like that was like my guardian angel or, I mean, it could have been God. I didn't dismiss that it. it wasn't God. But there were yeah. pivotal times in my life that I would hear so, so clearly. And I also, what, um, I also was able to see things and discern things <laughs> because I, I foresaw an accident. Where you foresaw an accident? That I one, did. That how was, old were you, were you when this happened? Um, I think I was 22, and I had a roommate. Okay. And I had this vision of her car being hit on the passenger side. Like, and I saw, and I felt the impact. I actually saw this. It was like a vision. And I was like, I was like trying to freak out. I was freaking out a little bit, and I was trying to figure it all out. And I, I kind of dismissed it, but I saw it. It was so real. Well, what, what happened is I was in a car following my roommate. We were going out that night because we were living in Tallahassee. And Tallahassee was a very big party town. And so we, I convinced her, come on, let's go out. We're going to go to this club and we're going to go and, and, and hang out. And so, but I decided I was going to drive with my other friend. And so we followed my roommate. Well, my roommate got, got completely, um, I guess, uh, sideswiped. By this car, this car just went through a blinking red light, didn't stop, and it was blinking oh, wow. yellow, and it just smashed her. Her car started to spin, and it actually fell on the passenger side of the car and slid into an embankment. Wow. And what was interesting is I said to the police officer when we were at the hospital, and I said, I should have... That I should be in there too. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm her roommate. I'm always in the passenger side of the car. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but if, if you would have been in that car, you would have been dead. Wow. So, so I, but I have, but I, so I would, so I did see stuff. I just didn't understand it. But like, I guess coming, my, my mother's Polish <laughs> and my grandmother was who was Polish? She would like read cards. She was a card. Yeah, reader. were they? Were, was your extended family there surrounding you when you were a child in New Jersey as well? Did you have more than just your mom and dad? Yeah. Were, there, were there extended family members, members yeah. as well? I, I mean, my okay. grandmother. I, I basically, you know, it was my mom, my dad, my sister, my two brothers, and then we had like my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family. So we were very, okay. we were a dysfunctionally close family. <laughs> 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 oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. So, but my grandmother would always see things. Like she would tell us things and she would see things. And so we always knew that there was that, like, that psychic ability. And I, yeah. I totally understood psychics. Like I got that because I knew, I knew stuff and I saw stuff. So I always thought that I had that gift from my grandmother. But okay. I, but I didn't realize that that was a gift that God gave me. But I didn't yeah. think it was for evil purposes. I never thought it was for evil purposes. I just thought it was just who I was. Yeah. Did you? I mean, did your parents begin to recognize this as well? How did they kind of handle the the things that you felt led to do? Was that? Did you talk about that with them? Was that was that a topic of conversation in your house? No, because my mo my mother was off doing what my mother did. My poor dad had two jobs, so he was if he wasn't working, he was sleeping, and if he wasn't sleeping, he was yelling. So that was pretty much my dad's mo. But okay. and my my mother was working or she was out gallivanting with her friends. So as my my older brother, Rick, would say, we were feral kids. We learned how to survive by ourselves. So I didn't have those kinds of conversations, but I would have conversations about Jesus with my grandmother because my Polish okay. grandmother would tell me how much she loved Jesus. 
she would always tell me, I'm love, Jesus. I love Jesus. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and she would always talk and she would cry. And wow. what was interesting is she was always walking around mumbling. She was always mumbling and I would catch her and she'd look at me and she would get and she would smile. But she was always wow. and it looked like she was praying. Yeah. And, and the Lord was kind of showing me that that perhaps she was speaking in tongues hmm. because she she was definitely spiritual. She definitely loved God. There was no question about it. And in fact, after she passed in 2002 and <clears throat> that 2002 is a really pivotal year because in 2002, my mother was in a house fire. She was burned over 50% of her body. She was 70 years old. She mm -hmm. was burned. She had uh, third and fourth degree burns on her back, her buttocks, her legs and her arms. She had second degree burns on her face. So she was, so facially, she didn't have to have any surgery, but she did. Yeah. And I think it was like second to third on her arms because I don't know if she had skin. She might've had some skin grafting on her hands because when she fell, she fell face down. What was interesting is the last thing that she saw. Now, my brother is kind of like a hippie. He has like longer hair. And mm -hmm. she said that she, she saw my brother Rick on a white horse coming to get her. And she thought that he was coming to rescue her. Now, you know, jump forward to 2011 and I read that Jesus is on a white horse. And wow. I'm like, oh, that was Jesus. That was not Ricky. <laughs> that is, that's so cool. Yeah. So, but what was really interesting is in 2002, this, this was on March 16th. And 16th in my family is a huge number. 16, if you look in the Bible, 16 is love. But yeah. for us, I was born on the 16th. My brother Rick was born on the 16th. Um, you know, we're pre-taping the show, but this is going to air on my birthday, which is August 16th. So, but it, it stands for love. And so my mother was in this fire and we said that if she didn't pass on that day, that she was going to live because that would just, that's just what we believed. And we didn't know that 16 meant love at the time, but anyway, but we knew 16 was a very pivotal number. What, yeah. what actually happened because my mom had, done some things in my past and she's you know she hurt us and she left us and so she abandoned mm -hmm. us when I was 17 she left us for like I don't know six or seven months and she did come back and she always says yeah. I've only gone for six months oh okay <laughs> you know <laughs> <Yeah>. all right <laughs> you know I, and it was it was hard it was really hard being in high school being a senior having all this craziness my mother was an um you know she was an alcoholic and just like you know going through the craziness that she was going through and um yeah. so so what happened is i'm i started to pray for her we went to to mass that night and when i was praying for her i heard the lord say he said lisa you have to forgive her you can't pray for her if you didn't forgive her. And so I actually had to forgive her. So I wrote a letter and I just, you know, forgave her for everything that she did. And the Lord actually in 2002, he helped me to make sure that she recovered because wow. he said, you can't go into the hospital if you're upset or if you have doubt or fear. Yeah. So I couldn't go and see her if I had a bad day. That's what I felt. I'm like, oh, I can't go see her. I don't want to bring any negative energy into the room. I played her favorite music. And when I came, all I did is I spoke to her and I spoke words of encouragement, words of love and words of that she was going to be well, that she was going to be fine. That's all I ever spoke to her. That's it. Wow. So this was, it, 
so much of our journeys, and you know, so much of our journeys are are the the struggles and kind of the trials that we go through play a big part. Unfortunately, you know, I don't believe that it it was ever designed to be that way, but just that that has become you know part of growing up and and discovering our oneness with Christ and discovering who we all who we were and we grow and our character is formed and, and all that. But what were this? This sounds like as you were growing up in your teenage years and 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 uh, your relationship with your mother. It sounds like. That was one of the main struggles. Uh, what, what were? Can you can you talk about some of the other struggles that you faced um, that that threatened to turn you even away from God, threatened to drag you away from from what the love of God really was always was always in your life and always wanted to be in your life as you grew up. What were some of the major struggles that you faced? Well, I mean, there was, you know, I was bullied as a kid. I was made fun of. Um, I was harassed, um, picked on, beat up, you know, that kind of stuff. So abuse just followed me. But I mean, honestly, Jesse, nothing, nothing could have ever told me that God didn't love me. Nothing. Wow. I, I, and it wasn't, it wasn't because I was going to Catholic church where all they talk about is you're a sinner and you're going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the Catholic religion, but at that point back in 19, you know, seventies and the eighties, you know, they weren't talking about grace in the Catholic churches, repent or go to hell. That was it. But there was something that there was something so different about my relationship with God that I could talk to him, that I could lean on him. I remember once asking the to asking the Lord, you know, my car broke down. I had no car. I didn't have like a boyfriend. I, I, my friends were kind of abandoning me. And, and I, and I said, and I remember praying and I said, Lord, I said, I just really want someone who loves me as much as I love me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> never realizing that was Jesus. Yeah. Never realizing that. Yeah. You know, so, so, but like through those struggles, like anytime I went through a struggle, anything, and, and believe me, there, there are so many different things that, that I've had to, to overcome and I've had to, to fight through, you know, um, the bullying. I was in a, a very abusive, my very first uh, relationship with a, um, with a boyfriend. He was extremely abusive and um, he was an alcoholic, and, but he would beat me. He just, yeah. And, but it was, it was in those moments that I would turn to the Lord and I would pray. But I yeah. did, and, and, and it, you know, it was interesting because here I was just, just crying out and praying and believing that these were going to reach, they were going to reach God. I just believed that he heard me. I really yeah. did. But I think that there was a moment right before I got transitioned into kind of where I am now that I felt like my prayers were just hitting the roof. Mm. They just weren't going any further. Yeah. And I was like, there has to be more. And I actually, I read the book, The Shack. And the funny thing about God is God will get your attention. I got the book. Somebody told me about this book. They didn't tell me the name of it. They said, you have to read this book. I'm not going to even tell you the name because I don't want you to go out and buy it. But as soon as I'm finished reading it, you have to read it. You have to read it. It was my sister-in-law. Okay. I went to, I went into New York to go meet a friend and she brought me, she got me a a copy of this book, The Shack. When I came back... My sister-in-law was done with the book. She handed me the book. It was a shack. And I think I had a third copy. Somebody else gave me a copy. I had three, <laughs> I had three copies, three of, this copies book? of this book within a week. <laughs> what happened is um, we were sitting, we were all watching like American Idol. 
<laughs> uh-huh. And I, I was sitting crisscross applesauce. My husband let the dog out. And so the dog's now scratching to come back in. And so my husband's like, will you go get the dog? Yeah. My foot fell asleep and I didn't realize it. When I stood up, one foot was flat on the ground. The other one was like in a pointing position. So when I put my weight, it buckled under and I mm-hmm. fell into the table. And I heard oh. this. And I went. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's just not good. And and I and I was like, now at the time I wasn't working. We we didn't have any insurance. It was just a really and I cried and prayed all night for God to heal my foot. Now, that's all I cried for. Now I didn't see any videos that God healed. I didn't I just I didn't care. I just knew that he could do it and I prayed and I asked him to do it. And the next day when I actually put my foot on the floor, when I put my foot on, it just twisted. And I, it, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I had to stay off my foot. And so because I had to stay off my foot, well, guess what I'm going to read? I'm going to read The Shack. <laughs> one of the, one of the 10,000 <laughs> copies that were in your house at that point. Yes. Yeah. So I read this book by Paul William Young and I cried. And in fact, my husband's like, what are you doing? Because it was like, <laughs> so sobby. like yeah. maybe like, oh, no, what did I do? I don't I don't remember doing anything. What was it? Oh, man. Oh, I <laughs> bawled. But it wasn't it wasn't even like a cry like you like a kind of cry. It was a guttural, deep cry because this this God that Paul William Young wrote wrote about in the shack. Well, mm-hmm. that's the God that I believed in. This, 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 taking the the persona of a big black African American, you know, woman who's dancing around saying, "I love these kids. Wait till you hear what they're going to do." And Jesus being so comforting, and Holy Spirit being so loving, and and just yeah. how He was able to describe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It just something inside me snapped. And wow. from that, I, I just wanted more of God. And so I, <laughs> I started actually uh, teaching at my kids' um, church, teaching CCD. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, um, so I started to teach CCD. Uh-huh. And um, the first year, I, I taught my daughter, who was in first grade, which was easy. And I was just trying to teach him the basics, but I was learning through it because I never actually read the Bible before. So to me, it was really, it was very interesting because I, I was starting to get different revelations about different things. And um, so that was my first year. My my second year of teaching CCD, I taught my, my son in fourth grade. So it was a a, a much different kind of um, education. <laughs> <laughs> well, just in case people don't know, what is, can you explain what CCD is? Yes. Um, CCD is basically um, just like a, it's like Catholic Sunday school. That's okay. basically what it is. So, um, okay. so what was interesting is the very first day I started to talk about I was trying, kind of asking the kids, like, well, what do you know? And, and like about the Ten Commandments, they had no idea what the Ten Commandments 
were and what they were for. And they never even, they didn't really know about Moses. I'm like, how the heck do you guys not know about Moses? So, <laughs> how the heck do you not know about Moses? Yeah, the guy I mean, parted the Red Sea. That's right. There's a burning bush. That's right. What in the world are they teaching you in here? Don't you watch Channel 7 during Easter and watch the Ten Commandments <laughs> with Charlton Heston? <laughs> Charlton Heston? These kids should be Charlton Heston uh, connoisseurs. Well, know, what is going on? Well, what was so funny is... We, I decided that I was going to teach them so I would get through the lesson as quickly as possible. And then we were actually reading out of the Bible, Exodus, and we were reading about Moses. And so the, we actually, we did a Passover Seder. I mean, it was really kind of crazy. And I would joke, I would joke and I would say to the Lord, Lord, I'll be your Moses. But see, I only knew Moses from Charlton Heston. And I was like, that's a good gig, parting the sea, listening to a bush, you know, throwing the staff down. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea, like, what it really meant to be Moses. Yeah. But see, when you ask for something, or if you say you'll do something, God will take you on that. Yeah, I've experienced that a little bit. That's uh, the the prayers like that, or show me, show me what you're like, or... Or do do something in me. I, those are the kind of prayers I feel like God loves to answer, and He answers them in, in incredible ways, and even often in ways that we're not even expecting Him to answer them. In. And and so it, it's it starts to get really amazing when when we start praying prayers like that. And that so that was my that was my joke. I'll be your Moses. I'll be your Moses. I'll be your Moses. Hey, of course. Well, Holy Spirit then started to talk to me. So we, mm-hmm. we started, I started to, to talk more to Holy Spirit. I started to listen to that internal voice much more. I started to become obedient to that voice. But there was, there was, a, um, there was just a time that um, things, everything was just not going well. Just if, yeah. if you, and this was in 2009. Okay. And in 2009, it just... We're just going to say the poop hit the fan. It was just everything, anything that I was involved in was falling apart. My marriage, I was coaching um, kids in a a cheerleading squad, my daughter's cheerleading squad. There was all kinds of stuff and accusations going there. Um, So home life, there was lots of turmoil and fighting. Everything was just really bad. And I remember I was cleaning out my closet and my, my brother always jokes, ah, you're in the closet because that's, that's a place where we would hide as kids is we would hide in the closet because my dad had a really bad temper. So we would hide in the closet. And okay. um, so I was in the closet and I was cleaning out my closet, cleaning out like the, the shoes, you know, so I wasn't hiding, but I was still in the closet because it's a place of comfort. So I was right. cleaning out my shoes and I, I just stopped cleaning my shoes and I just start crying and I start crying out to the Lord and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I just don't want to do this. I said, I don't want any more of me. I just want you. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill me, fill me, fill me. That's all I I kept saying. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Just you, just you, just you. But Jesse, I didn't feel anything. (laughs) I wish I could say that I heard like the angels going, oh. Yeah. But I I didn't really feel anything. Mm, Okay. But. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from a friend who said, you need to come to my church. It's exactly what you're looking for. I know this is what God wants for you, and you'll never be the same again. Hmm. And so my dad was visiting at the time. So I took my dad, and we went, we went down to this 
church. <clears throat> and it's the first time I ever heard about, like, I never really heard people talking about Holy Spirit before. I was on a quest to find Holy Spirit, but I didn't know how to do it because I, I was, I read a couple books, but they just, I didn't understand them. They just were so, they were written in such a way that I didn't understand Holy Spirit was a person. I didn't get that. And I, yeah. I actually, I didn't get that until I would say in the last three or four years, like I finally started to understand it's not a spirit, but a person. It's the person of God. It's his spirit, just like we're a spirit. Right. And um, so, so I went to this thing and there was this woman who was doing this really great talking and she was teaching and I was mesmerized by her. Like I was just mesmerized. And the name of the, the, the ministry is called Shekinah Glory Ministries. And so if you ever have a chance to go and see them, go see them. They're amazing. So after she finished with her teaching, this other little woman came over and she started to speak in tongues and then speak in English. And it really kind of freaked me out a little bit because she sounded like a man. Is that the man. first time that you had it? I know that you, looking back, you thought that your, your grandmother was speaking in tongues early on, but was that the first exposure that you had to something like that? Well, I only realized, the Lord just kind of kept reminding me that, do you remember what your grandmother did? <laughs> <laughs> remember how you thought she was mumbling to herself? Yeah, maybe not so much, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, my dad actually spoke in tongues. So I knew that tongues was a real thing because my dad is such a humble man and he loves the Lord and he... God has just changed him in so many ways, and he just loves God so much. So he spoke in tongues, and he actually, he, I think, got that language because somebody prayed over him that he would have the gift of healing because when my mother was in the hospital, he would put his hands over my mother, and he would just pray over her every single day while she was in the hospital in the coma. And wow. they actually said to us that when she woke up from from the when when she was released that she was going to live that when she was released from the hospital that you they you wouldn't even see the scars and that's the truth she didn't put lotion on in fact she was out in the sun i'm like seriously mom you're not supposed to be in yeah. the sun but she was what? in the sun yeah wow so let me let me ask you 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 went from uh, we're going back a little bit but we yeah. went from you you said that you used to hide in the closet because your father had a bad temper and, yes and that was a place of comfort and you and your brother there a uh, place of safety so you go from that to years later, and you're seeing your father speak in tongues. You're seeing him pray over your mother in the hospital. You're seeing him uh, as a man of humility. Uh, how do you? How did you? How did that touch your heart to see changing your father like that? Oh, I knew that God was in him. I just, I knew. Yeah. I just knew. I mean, it wasn't. I, but I always had a very good relationship with my dad. My dad wasn't as he. He was violent, but mm -hmm. he always showed me. He was always very loving towards me. But see, okay. he, his father was very brutal to him. You know, and, yeah. and that, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I really kind of prayed about this. And I said, you know what, Lord, I'm, I just really want to be real. Because not everything that we, that we go through is all like hunky-dory. I mean, I, I always have a smile on my face, but it's a choice. I yeah. choose joy. That's, that's just what I choose. And so, you know, the stuff that I'm, I'm kind of sharing, it's not to, to humiliate or embarrass my family. I love my family, but we yeah. all have stuff. And, I, and I, I really feel like the purpose of my sharing some of this stuff is, is to show, look, I've gone through stuff. I've had stuff. And, and some of this stuff is the first time I've ever shared this publicly. But I feel that it's so important because if God took me through it, 
he'll take you through it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And you, and you can't you can't heal from from something. And I know that you you you've healed and oh, yeah. and you have arrived in in a place of of fullness. But there's there's people out there who haven't yet found the strength or been willing to look at some of the hard things in their past, the way that they grew up, the family dynamic around them. Right. And if, you, if we can't look at those things, if we can't acknowledge that those things were there, then, then we can't heal from them. And so it's, it's so refreshing, and we know it's not your intent to embarrass anyone or to paint anyone in a negative light, but it's refreshing to hear you talk about some of those things with transparency so, because that's what we can relate to, and that's what those of us who are, are struggling with some of the same um, background, some of the same history, and going through the process of, okay, how do, I, how do I learn to forgive? How do I learn to see somebody who caused me so much pain growing up in the way that God sees them? You know, mm-hmm. How do I paint them in, in, a, in a picture of love? And so thank you for being willing to share that. Well, you know, and, and especially, you know, it's so important, you know, God is such a redeemer. You know, the fact that when I went to this church with my dad and this and these two women who are talking and the one now is speaking in tongues. And so she's speaking in tongues and translating in, in English. And, and then she sounds like a man and I'm a little freaked out. And next yeah. thing you know, the whole church is running. Like the church is running and I'm like, and I'm watching the church run <laughs> and people are running. <laughs> running. Like you mean, you mean actually running? Oh yeah. They're literally, you know, like in a, in a wedding, like, you know how they do the conga line kind of thing. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not Congoing; They're <laughs> running. <laughs> so, and they're, they're playing this music. The devil's underneath my feet and they're running. And so they're running around the church, young and old, because it was mostly teens that were there for the, for the night service. Okay. And, um, and I hear the Lord say, go up there. And I'm thinking, and my dad's standing next to me and he's just clapping along, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, they're running, <laughs> you know, how do you, they're running. You don't go up there. They're running, you know? Yeah. And, um, somebody came out of the running and grabbed my dad and said, run with me. And now my dad's gone. Now my dad's running. So now I'm watching, I'm watching my dad run and I'm standing there and I hear the Lord go, go up there. And I'm like, and I'm like, they're, they're now my dad's running. Everybody's running. <laughs> like Lord, that like, it, and I was really trying to reason. And then the third time I heard him say, "Go up there." Yeah. At that point, I turned to figure out where I should go, and it was that act of obedience that led to the next thing. The woman who was teaching came out of nowhere and grabbed my hand and said, "Run with me." And as she ran with me, she started prophesying about me. And she started telling me things that I, dear, I wish my spirit knows, but I have no idea what she said. But I do know that one of the things that she said was a conversation my dad and I had in the car. It was an exact conversation. There was no way she would know that. And so I was just a hot mess. And she took me up to the woman who was speaking in tongues, speaking in English. She scared me a little bit. And this woman just grabbed my hands very gently. And she just said, the love of Jesus is in your arms, is in your legs, is in your body. And then I don't know if she went kaboom, but something happened. (laughs) And I went back and I, and I, and I was, and I was pulled and I was put, and they put a little sheet over me and I became spiritual roadkill. And now, (laughs) oh yeah, that's what I became. (laughs) I I was never slain in the spirit. I didn't know what it was called, but I'm like, I am spiritual roadkill because I saw other people around me and I tried to get up and I couldn't. And I laughed. I wasn't scared, Jesse. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. I just laughed. And so it took me a few minutes and then 
I was able to walk and then, you know, there was some, then we, my dad wanted to go up. So he wanted to be slain in spirit because he was never slain in spirit. And so we went up there, we went to somebody else and they tried to push us. And, I, and, I, okay. and as yeah. soon as I, I saw that, I was like, wait a second, that's not the same. No, no, yeah, no, so no, you no. knew the difference at that point. I did. I did. Yeah. And it was quick. You know, yeah. it was so quick that I knew, uh-uh, you know, and. So, yeah, in your authentic experience then when you were laying down, I know you said that you laughed. What, what, what kind of emotions were you feeling inside? Like what was happening inside of you while you were laying there? Um, I couldn't move anything, nothing. Yeah. I was short-circuited because I was like, I'm going to get up because I'm going to get hit, you know, run over by these people who are running and I'm spiritual roadkill and they're going to like stomp on me. And um, I tried to move and I couldn't. And I said, or not. And then I started to <laughs> giggle because I realized at that time, and I, and I think that's like such a, I, I just think it really speaks a lot about my relationship with God because I was never afraid. I trusted that if yeah. I was on the floor and I couldn't move, it was because there was something that needed to be done or was doing or whatever. But I trusted him. I was never, ever afraid. So yeah. he's always been so very gentle with me. But like towards the end of the, the church service, you know, they gave the altar call. You know, you know, if you don't know Jesus, come on, you know, raise your hand. on. I'm doing a checklist. I'm good. You know, if you'd like to come back, I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, if you've never been filled yeah. with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, nope, I'm good. You know, hey, I've been baptized in the water. I was confirmed. I'm telling you, I got Holy Spirit running through me. But then she said, and I've never, ever heard this. If you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, raise your hand. And I went, oh, oh monkey. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have that one checked I off. I did yet, not huh? have that one checked off. And I just heard, well. And I went, oh. Okay. And so I raised my hand. Wow. And so they brought me do back. You feel like, do, you, do you feel like at that point you raised your hand uh, because there was, was there something stirring inside of you? Or do you feel like you raised your hand because I got to have that? I mean, they could be one and the same. But what compelled you to raise your hand? Well, because somebody, I was asking about tongues because I was, uh, I, before I went to this, I was with a bunch of women and we were doing like Bible studies and we were talking about things. And like I said, I was getting books about Holy Spirit because I knew somebody said, oh, you're, you're looking for Holy Spirit. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's what I'm looking for. So I, and I said, what, is, what about tongues? Like, should we be praying in tongues, speaking in tongues? And she's like, oh, I could teach it to you. And I went, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I don't need to be taught tongues. If God wants to give me tongues, he'll give me tongues. Yeah, amen. And, and so when it was offered, I, it was a choice. And that's yeah. what it was. Well, do you want it or do you not? It was a yeah. choice. And so I chose yes. Because I just felt like, look, I, I said, if God wants me to have this, he will give it to me. Well, now yeah. I have that choice. So, yeah. So I you know, there was a, I heard a quote that um, uh, I believe it was Greg Boyd in his book, Seeing is Believing, but he said that um, we, many of us assume that information alone brings transformation. Uh, but we're wrong. It's not information. The information doesn't bring transformation. In and of itself doesn't bring the transformation. It's, the, it's what we do with that information. And I can apply it here. It's, it's what you do with the desire. It's not enough just to desire speaking in tongues or just to desire the greater things of God. It's what are you doing with that desire? How are you, uh, what actions are you taking to, to make that desire become a reality in your life? And, and for you, it sounds like what you did that night was you went up, you, you pushed through um, any discomfort, or maybe you didn't even feel it. You said that you weren't afraid, 
But any dis-ease or any discomfort that you had, you pushed through and you went up front to receive what God had for you. Yep. And I and the interesting part is that, you know, when we look back at things that God has done and we, we go back, you know, we, we look back and we say, oh, that's why that was there. Oh, that's why this was there. You know, there were some significant things that happened the day that I received my, my spiritual language. Number one, Billy Joe Dougherty, who was a very big name, I guess. And I, I never knew of him. I didn't know. But that was the day he passed because they made a, a point they made it a point that 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 God was going to redeem what has been stolen. Mm. So I and I've often I've often thought about it because um like right after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden his I, I was watching a lot of Daystar TV. That's where I was getting all my information about anything because I nobody that I knew was experiencing the stuff because once I started to speak in tongues, Jesse, everything changed. <laughs> it was like it was like one day I woke up and I was just Lisa, <laughs> and then the next day I woke up and it was like holy moly, <laughs> this, this is this is a crazy. I started to have visions. I wow. started um, the night that I went to bed. Um, <laughs> I I. <laughs> I was in a dark room. I was in a black room. Not even the TV was on. Okay. And I climbed into bed and I closed my eyes and it was like looking into the sun. And then I open my eyes and I'm in a black room. And then I close huh. my eyes again and I'm looking into the sun. <laughs> and I open my eyes again and I'm in a black room. And I did wow. it like a couple of times to figure out what the heck. And then I just got tired and I just went to sleep in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really what happened. But So let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track the timeline of events here. So about two weeks before, I believe you said about two weeks before you went to the uh, meeting where you received the gift of tongues. Right. You were in a place in your closet. Uh, you felt like your prayers were hitting the ceiling, and, yep. and you were just crying out, desperate for God to touch your life, to touch your heart, yep. and pouring yourself out. And there was no, there was nothing that you felt happen on the inside. Correct. Right? There was no tangible release at that point. And then just two weeks after that, when when you you could, you could have gotten completely discouraged at that point, and uh, you. Knowing, knowing people, you know, there were probably those thoughts that went through your head, oh, you know, just not feeling great about, about things for that two weeks, and, and you could have just kind of kind of faded away at that point, but you end up going to this meeting just two weeks later, and your whole life changed. Yeah. Well, that's what she that's said amazing. to me on the phone. She said, you're never going to be the same again. Your life's never going to be the same again. Wow. So when somebody says that to you, you have a choice. Do I want to stay in this life or do I want something more? And I was asking for more of God. I mean, he was speaking through the through scripture. Like all of a sudden I'd be like, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I didn't say that, but I would be like, Lord, what do you want to show me? And then I would open up a verse and it would be like, ta-da, you know? And so yeah. there was all these these different things. But once I got my spiritual language and the way the way that I started to, to, to activate it, I didn't know how I... I didn't know how to make it come because yeah. like they don't teach, they, you know, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't tell you how to, how it's going to just bubble up, you know? And so what I started to do is I started to say the our father really, really fast. And as I would say it really, really fast, I would get tongue tied and then my spiritual language would come through. And so I, okay. I did that <laughs> for a while because I, you know, other people, other people say the name of the cards, you know, you've heard that, right? The, the what now? 
the other people begin saying the name Hyundai, Honda. You know, they go through. No. Want to buy a Honda? Want to buy a Hyundai? You know, they no. start saying that kind of stuff. Really oh. Fast. Oh well, I'm going to tell yeah. you. Okay, so so I, I think would, that's mostly. I think that's mostly a joke. Oh, is but. it really? <laughs> yeah, but if it works, I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, because when I first when I first started, the Lord told me. Now this is after like um, a year, because um, well, let me. I'll, I'll get up to that point because. So so here I am. I'm, I'm trying to speak in this language, and I'm like, is it going to go? Is it going to go? Is it coming back? Do I still have it? Do I still have it? And so it yeah. was like. I wanted to see. So that's how I started it. So I was like, okay. So, and it stayed. And then next thing you know, I'm having visions. I'm like, I'm like feeling oil pouring all over me. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? I'm having, I'm having visions of, (laughs) I. You were feeling oil pour pour over you at that point? Yeah. The next, like the next day or the day after I, um, there was one day I was sitting and I was praying in the spirit and I, (laughs) and I felt this. I, I literally felt like somebody stood in front of me and went like this in my face. And I pushed, I pushed myself back into the chair because I could feel this wind blowing on my face. And I'm like, what was that? I'm like, what in the world was? I had no idea what it was. And then like a, like a couple days later, I think Joseph Prince was talking about how Jesus blew on the disciples' face to receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's what it was. I mean, it, it, I am so very grateful that all this happened in this time frame because Google has been my best friend. Yeah. Be- because like Google, I. Google, you say? Google. You say? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have heard things that I've had to Google, is this in the Bible? Like I've heard, fi- I, I came out one time I was praying and it was like five-fold ministry. And my husband was there. I'm like, what's a five-fold ministry? He goes, hold on. And so he, <laughs> so he Googled it. Oh, yeah. God and Google get along most of God the time, God and I Google think. are awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think what other experience. Oh, and then like my girlfriend gave me, um, <laughs> my girlfriend gave me a, a portobello mushroom with like crab in it, like for lunch one day. Okay. Yeah. And now after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all I did for an entire year was read the Bible, watch Daystar and pray in tongues. That's it. That's all I did. And I only wanted to pray in tongues. I didn't want to pray in English. Yeah. And it wasn't because somebody said, oh, if you pray in tongues, you'll become more spiritual. Or, oh, if you pray in tongues, this is going to. No, nobody told me anything. I just knew that praying in tongues was like I felt the connection with God immediately. So why not just continue doing that? And I also And I also felt I also read that when you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God. And I'm thinking, I'm a hot mess. And so I don't have a perfect will. So I'm using yours. So I'm just going to keep it, you know, keep it so you make the decisions. And I'll just speak whatever you want me to say. I don't care. Yeah, you know, the, the passage in First John 4, I think it's First John four sixteen or um, 17, it says that we have come to, to know and rely upon the love that God has for us. And, and um, as you're telling your story, it's, it, that just keeps coming up. And it, seems, it just seems so key that there's... Uh, you had you had an experience that I actually want to go back to you just to hit on again because we kind of brushed over it um, more than uh, I want to take a little bit more time with it. But your your experience with the shack and how you felt in that moment um, a breakthrough moment for you. Uh, but then the experience in your closet where you didn't really feel anything and, and mm. the the passage we've come to rely on the love that God has for us. 
And the next two weeks for you, and then the next year that unfolds is, is just a perfect example of how that passage plays out. The, the reliance on the love of God, the love that God has for us, the, the love that never goes away, it is always at work. And I, I want you to, if you can think of, uh, how we, what would you say to somebody who was in your position in the closet just crying out to God and not really feeling anything? Um, based on your experience a couple weeks later, just God answering that cry in ways that you couldn't even have imagined happening at that point, what would you say to the person that was in that situation? He's, or is currently in that situation. Yeah, he's faithful. He's yeah. faithful, and you're not hearing him because you just have too much stuff that's blocking your hearing. That's it. Mm. He's talking to you. He's telling you. He's comforting you. Like, you're just not feeling him because you're so wrapped up in your fear and your worry, and and it, it, it just almost like that's your cocoon. You're just cocooned, and so you don't feel anything when you start to put yourself into a cocoon. You feel nothing. And I think that's yeah. what we do, and it's almost like a self-preservation type of thing. You know, but he is faithful. He is faithful, and sometimes, you know what? He'll let us sit in that cocoon because he knows that you're going to emerge a butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, it's, uh, it, it doesn't mean that he has turned his back nope. or that he's... Nope. Um, purposefully not answering to teach you some kind of nope. of lesson. Nope. You know, it's uh, that he, he's there, but there's, you're, but there's things that, that are kind of hovering in the way, things that are kind of preventing, preventing his, the fullness of what he wants from kind of breaking through to touch the heart. Well, also, you know, we can harden our, ourselves. We can harden our heart, not against God, but against ourselves, thinking that yeah. we've done these things and we deserve these things. And so what happens instead of bl blaming someone else, we blame ourselves. And that's still unforgiveness. And so yeah. if there's unforgiveness, you know, and that, that was the most beautiful part about it, Jesse, is that, you know, as I started to hear him, I started to have these visions, you know, like uh, going back to, you know, getting, getting lunch. And, and the reason I talk about it's what I was going to eat, which was a portobello mushroom with the crab meat is yeah. after I ate it, I was praying and I was praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden I felt myself blowing up. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going into anaphylactic shock. The, the crab meat was bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> these are how this is how I think, you know. And yeah. so I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling my fingers getting fat, 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 fat. I feel myself blowing up, blowing up, blowing up like the Goodyear blimp. And so I'm praying in the spirit and I'm and I'm sensing this in the spirit. And then I, I peek open my eyes because I'm afraid. Uh oh, I think I need to call 911. And I look down and my fingers are completely normal. But I close my eyes and my fingers are I'm still blowing up and I'm blowing up and I'm blowing up. And I'm like and I'm, then all of a sudden I, I feel my start self start starting to get hard and i'm thinking yeah. okay i think i'm dying because rigor mortis is setting in and i'm thinking to myself okay open your eyes and look okay my eyes look okay my fingers look fine everything looks fine but i can't feel anything i could not feel my body and i felt myself getting hard like a rock and then what i wow. saw is i saw my head and it was on this big piece of rock and i was stuck in the middle of it and then, I heard, and then I heard the verse that says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I went, wait, wait, he said that to Peter. No, I'm not Peter. No, I don't want a church. <laughs> now, what's so cool about God is 
when things have happened, they have happened twice. The second time that happened, the exact same, same thing, exact same feeling, exact same vision, exact same verse that I heard, I didn't have the portobello mushroom with the crab meat. So I couldn't blame it on that. He confirmed wow. it. And I didn't wow. know what that meant. I, did, I really didn't. I, because I, I was just learning, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know the full scripture. I didn't know what he was trying to say to me. And yeah. so there were all these different things and I was, um, and I would be praying for people and, and, um, because I, I, I started to, after a year of just praying and praying and praying and having these crazy things that were happening and, and stuff, um, I, the Lord told me to go to work and he told me exactly where to go. And I got a job and I worked at, at a, a cleaning counter at, at a, um, at a store, at a department store. And so I'm at the clinic counter and I'm, and I'm just, you know, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost because that's what I love to do. Well, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was, I was changing the atmosphere. So I started to, to pray and just walk around and business just was getting really, really good. Now I can only get a part-time job there because they only had a part-time position open, but I felt that it was still the right place to go. So I, I took it. After six months of my being at that job, that they, the business was so good, they could actually make my position a full-time position. Wow. So I had great, great favor. My sales yeah. were so good. And then God started to send people to me. Okay. And so I would come home and I would tell my husband about these crazy encounters. And there was this one time that this woman came and she was getting mascara for her daughter and she was a very pretty woman and, and she was a white woman and she was mm -hmm. talking about how her daughter was going to go to Africa. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the only reason she's going to Africa is because she's a missionary. Oh, she's a Christian. So I got excited. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, is she going on a missionary trip? She goes, well, yes, she is. And I said, oh, are you a Christian? She goes, well, yes, I am. And so we started a conversation and she, she actually excuse me, goes to this church that my husband knew the pastor and everything because my husband did, did, was doing video work. God has such a funny and wicked sense of humor. He really does. So my husband's, <laughs> my husband's working in African-American churches doing video and, and taping sermons. It's so good. Uh -huh. And so, and he's feeling the Holy Spirit. And then, then he's coming home to me who's having visions and, 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 and crazy encounters. And um, so this woman says to me, because I'm telling her now that I'm going to this church, I'm telling her about some of the things that I'm seeing. And she goes, well, you know, you're a seer. And I go, okay. And I said, is there anything else? And she goes, yes, you're an intercessor. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have no idea what either of those things are, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be dumb. I'm just, I just said, thank you. <laughs> just, just smile and nod. <laughs> yes, okay. smile and nod. Yes, yes. And so I went to, I went to a Bible bookstore to go and get a book. And now I asked a friend who was Christian at the time. And I said, I go, somebody call me a seer. She goes, oh, that's not good. And I go, what? She goes, yeah, that's not good. You, uh. she, and I said, what do you mean? She goes, it says in the Bible, beware of seers and soothsayers. You're not, that's not good, Lisa. She shouldn't be calling you that. I, I, don't, I would disregard what she said. And I went, yeah. oh, okay. So I didn't know. So I went to the yeah. Bible bookstore and I'm looking for intercession books. I think there were five. Okay. One of the books was called The Happy Intercessor. And I said to myself, well, if I'm going to be an intercessor, I'm going to be a happy one. So yeah, I definitely want to be the happy one. Exactly. And that book is by Benny Johnson. 
Okay. And so the the Happy Intercessor book started to show me what intercession was, and it started to explain the role of an intercessor. And it started to also make sense when I was praying why different people would pop into my head and then pop back out, or why sometimes I would be praying for somebody and then the next day not pray for them. Like I didn't understand, oh, wait, oh, I didn't pray for such and such today. And then something else would come along, and then I would forget. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I still forgot to pray. But, I, but that's because the assignment was done. And so this book started to show me about the, the art of intercession and what it meant. So that, and, and then it talked about how there was a woman who was a seer and it talked about the seer gift. And I went, oh, my friend was wrong. It's a yeah, good thing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's when I started to understand the gifting. And then I saw the movie Finger of God by Darren Wilson. If you haven't okay, seen yeah. that movie. Yep, amazing, amazing movie. Amazing. So yeah. I started to see this movie and it's basically a documentary about does God do does God still do what he did in the book of Acts and when Jesus was here? Is it still possible to heal? Is it still possible to, to do the miracles and to see the miracles and the word of knowledge and all that? Is, yeah. is that possible? So I, I watched it and I got psyched. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if this is true, like if we can do this, Mm-hmm. Give it to me, and I'll clean out Sloan Kettering, which is a cancer <laughs> hospital. And yeah. that's and I said I will pray over anybody. You just give that to me, and I'll and that's what I'll do. So when I started working at Clinique after six months, he started to send send me people, and I started to pray over people, and people started getting healed. Wow. So that and but I didn't know, like I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. Yeah. I just, the Holy Spirit would tell me what to do. And then I started to get word of knowledge, which I didn't know what word of knowledge was. So mm-hmm. once I, uh, then I, then John Paul Jackson, I started, he started coming on Daystar and he started doing teachings and I fell in love with him. And so I started listening to his teachings, which started to make sense for some of the stuff that I was going through because yeah. I think back in 2010, there really wasn't a, a huge amount of, of teaching because Praying Medic didn't write his books yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you have any, when you started praying for people to be healed, did you have any, any, did anybody teach you how to do that? No. Okay, so the first key in seeing people healed is to pray for the sick. Yes. (laughs) Pray for the sick and injured. Be bold and start praying for people who need healing. Yes, well, the first person I prayed over, oh, it was so good, she had cancer. First person I prayed for. And so, so I'm... Before I get a chance to pray over her, when she comes to my counter. She tells me she has cancer. And I said, I'm so sorry. And she says, I, I usually don't tell anybody. She says, but I have to tell you so you can help me. I said, okay. So I talked to her just like a doctor. That's it. I'm just going to talk to her like a doctor. This is going to help with this. This is going to help with that. And I'm showing her all the stuff that she needs. Then I yeah. say, and also, you know, you can use makeup that will help you to look healthier. Well, how would, what does that look like? Well, do you want me to put some on? Yes. So she comes over. She sits in my counter and she sits in my chair and I put my hands on her. Now I'm touching her. I put my hand on her and I'm putting an eyeshadow on her and I'm touching and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit because I heard somewhere that this man prayed in, in tongues while he was at work. And I thought about that. I went, oh, 
I talk really loud when I pray in tongues. Okay, I have to learn how to be really, really quiet. So I became a, a tongue ventriloquist. So I could speak in tongues and nobody could know <laughs> what I was doing or saying. I kept it so quiet that you wouldn't even see my mouth move. You would just, my tongue would just be speaking in tongues and that was it. So um, so I'm, I have my hand on her and I'm putting eyeshadow on her and I start praying in the spirit, trying to speak healing into her. Okay. Like covert. Yeah. And I heard the Lord say, you need to ask her if you can pray over her. And I went, Oh, that's the devil. No. I'm, and I'm still, <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still doing it. And, and, uh-huh. I, and then I heard it a second time. You need to ask permission if you can pray over her. And I'm like, Nope, still the devil. Then I heard it the third time, Lisa, you have to ask a person's permission. You're not allowed to just pray over people without asking their permission. Yeah. And I went, shoot, that is God. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I stopped and I looked at this woman and I said, um, her name was Mary. I said, Mary, I said, um, I said, listen, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you believe in God. I don't know like where, where you are with him, but <clears throat> I pray. And I just felt like the Lord say that I'm supposed to pray over you. Would that be okay? And she said, yes. Now, I've never prayed over anybody outside of people that I knew. This yeah. was the first stranger. Okay. So, so um, she goes, yes, I would love that. I said, okay. So the next thing that came out of my mouth was, you're a Catholic, right? And she said, now she had no cross. She had nothing, nothing to show that she was Catholic. Didn't talk about Catholic, nothing. And wow. she said, yes. Now, I didn't know that was word of knowledge. I had yeah. no idea that I had no idea what I was doing, but it just came out and, and I was like surprised. Wow. She really is. Okay. And then I, <laughs> and then I said, um, I said to her, you need to have communion every day. And she just looked at me and she yeah. goes, I know where I'm going after this. And I said, what? She goes, somebody else just said that to me. And I said, well, if somebody else is saying something that I just said, and we don't know each other, that's confirmation from God. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, and, and she goes, okay. And I said, and I started to just like, I figured we were done. She's going to go to church, so now she's good. And, mm-hmm. and so she looks at me, and she goes, you're, you're not going to pray over me? I said, oh, well, yeah, if you want me to. She goes, yes, I really do. I said, oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> so my, my boss came in. I said, I'll be back. And I took her, mm-hmm. we left the mall. We left, um, well, the, the store, and we went to, like, in, in a mall, there's, like, these back entrances. There's, like, a back hallway that you can go to. And so that's where I took her. And I began to pray over her. Now, before I prayed over her, eh, like, a couple weeks before, I had this little crazy dream. And in this dream, my husband was pushing me in this big golden chair. And it, and it was... Um, it looked like a velvet chair and, and it had wheels. So, and he was pushing me through the streets. And so he's pushing me through the streets and we come to this bus and we stop in front of this bus and this man says, give me that chair. And I said, no. He said, give me that chair. And I said, no, God gave me this chair. I said, now if God mm. told me to give you this chair, I'd give it to you. But he didn't, so no. So then yeah. he took a gun and pointed the gun at me and said, give me that chair. And I stood up from the chair. I put my hand on his heart and the man fell to the ground and I got back in my chair. My my husband pushed me away. That was my dream. Okay. That was important because I, the next thing that happened is I started praying over this woman and I'm holding her hands nicely and I'm lifting up my sister to marry my sister to you, Lord, and blah, 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 blah. Then I start speaking in tongues. I take both of her hands and put it into one hand and I take my right hand and I put it on her heart. 
and I start coming against the spirit of cancer. Now, I don't know what I'm doing, Jesse. Just the yeah. Holy Spirit is telling me what to do. This woman almost fell backwards twice, and I'm holding on to her hands, and I'm like, dear God, please don't let her fall and crack her head open. It'll be a big problem, <laughs> yeah. you know? But she yeah. almost fell backwards twice. The, wow. the next thing that she says to me after we finished, she says, where did you come from? And I'm thinking, New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and yeah. she said, no, what church are you from? And I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm just a vessel. I said, God mm -hmm. uses me. I said, he'll use you too if you want to be used, but I'm just yeah. a vessel. This, wow. is what, this is what she says to me. She goes, I do Reiki. In fact, I'm a Reiki master and I've never felt power like that before. And I would like Whoa. to teach you Reiki. And I said to her, no, no, no. It's Jesus's power and Jesus doesn't need to learn Reiki, but thank you very much. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Wow. That was my first, first experience. Wow. That's incredible. So, so you, you have had this experience where you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you begin to speak in tongues and you see visions. And now, now it, is, it is flowing out of you. And now you are actually beginning to impact others. So I know we, we're running kind of short on time, uh, but it's important that we know how things progress for you so that the, the program, this program that we're on right now, Touched by Prayer, how did that get birthed then? So I'm doing these things and I would come home and I would tell my husband my experiences and he would joke and he would say, lipstick or prayer? Oh, prayer? Lisa will be in in five minutes. That was the big joke. So, <laughs> because that's really what it was. Like, were people coming for lipstick or for prayer? And honestly, Jesse, within a few minutes of meeting a person, I knew whether they were there from God or they were really there for cosmetics. Yeah. And okay. um, so, so my husband's hearing about all these miracles, all these things. So we went to, I actually went to Voice of the Prophet. John Paul Jackson was there. It was an amazing time. Had supernatural encounters with people, people falling down, praying over this woman in a McDonald's with my girlfriend and her getting completely healed, praying over her granddaughter who got completely healed, who had depression, who said she felt happy for the first time. I mean, it was just like crazy, crazy stuff. So wow. at, at the voice of the prophet, Larry Randolph, who's a prophet, was speaking and he said that there were people here who have a destiny who have not been able, have not been given permission to do it. And he said, so if that's you, you need to stand up. And so I stood up and he said, what's your name? And I said, Lisa. And he said, okay, Lisa, what, what can we, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to have a talk. I, I want to be on TV. And he says, well, can you be more specific? And I said, I want to have a talk show. And he says, well, Lisa, we release you into your talk show. Now that was, that was 2013. That was in... April of 2013. In October of 2013, my husband, Rob, who's a video producer, video, does, this is a very big thing. You have to understand, cameras are everywhere with him, okay? Mm -hmm. So 2013, I overhear a conversation that he has with someone, and he says, yeah, I think we're supposed to do a, uh, an internet radio show. So he gets off the phone, and I said, what's up with that? He goes, with what? And I said, you want, we're supposed to do an internet radio show? And he goes, yeah, I think we are. I go, about what? He goes, about what you do. I go, <laughs> what I do? He goes, yeah. He goes, and you'll be the host. I went, okay. I go, do you got a name for this? And he goes, no. So I started to, to seek and I started to ask the Lord. And I said, Lord, yeah. I go, I don't even have a name for this. You know, and the Lord said to me, your brother Rick has a name. 
So I call my brother Ricky. Now, Ricky is not a born again, spirit filled believer yet. Yet. I say yet. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I called him and I said, Rick, this is what I believe we're supposed to do. And the Lord told me that you have the name. He gave me two names. The second, the one of the names was Touched by Prayer. We looked it up. Touched by Prayer was not owned by anybody. We got .com, .net, .org. We got it all. And we had to pay $9.99 for it. Amazing. And so that was in December. I think we actually actually registered it on December 16th of 2013. In January of 2014, Touch by Prayer was born. And I started to interview people for my church because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And the Lord actually, um, there was this uh, book there was this book by this uh, author, I couldn't even pronounce his last name, that Jonathan Walton was talking about. And I, I don't know, it was called like The Longest Bridge Across Water by Jeremy. Oh, yeah, Man- I've heard about that. Yeah, book. by this guy, Jeremy Mangersheen. I've heard about Man- that guy, that, uh, Jeremy Manger- <laughs> Mangersheen. Yes, Jeremy Mangersheen. And, common spelling. Uh, yes. Common spelling. <laughs> Very common. And um, <laughs> I actually heard the Lord say, friend request him. And, um, and so I did. And um, I wanted to read his book, but I had so many books. I mean, I had so many books. I'm like, really? I'm not spending another 15 bucks. No offense. But I'm not spending another 15 bucks for a book that's just going to sit. So it took a a little couple of weeks, I think. And then all of a sudden it was like, today only, 99 cents on Kindle. I'm like, but. And I read the book in four hours and I cried. <laughs> and it was so fabulous. Yep. And I was totally transformed by it. And we start, I started to kind of communicate a little bit. And I heard the Lord say, you know, invite him on the show. And so I had Jeremy come on the show. And because of Jeremy, he has connected me with some amazing, amazing people, including you. But it has all come. I, I, and I tell this to Jeremy. I said, you know, Jeremy, you have intru- you opened up like to people that I just w- I, I just didn't know. Incredible, incredible people who I call wow. family. Wow, that's amazing. And so I'm just gonna I'm gonna trace your journey here briefly so that we can get uh, a brief little uh, uh, knowledge of the path that you took. So you were you were a kid and you were eight years old and you began to hear something within you to lead you into these different circumstances, situations and, and even at the age of eight you were you were touching people's lives without even a comprehension of what you were doing, but, but even then God was using you, and you were experiencing then challenges, and you were experiencing um, the, the, the challenges of, a, of an angry father that, that at times you felt like you had to hide from, who, who, um, who had temper and, and this and that, different family dynamics of that, and then there were some issues with your mother as well. So there, there are a lot of issues there that many people can relate to, and you, you had even said that abuse just kind of followed you um, as you grew up and as you got older and you experienced um, some of the, the struggles related to that and, and um, uh, fear of, uh, or just the feelings of rejection or abandonment or, or, and things like that with people close to you as, you as you grew through those years. And you had this moment, and this is kind of what I wanted to come back to with, with your, shack the, your shack experience. You had this, in the midst of these things in the, in, that were fighting to try to take you away from the heart of God. You said that never really had a, a hook in you because you were so in love with God, and that's amazing. But in, in the midst of these things that had happened to you and in, in the struggles that you had faced, you had this encounter uh, with, with God through this book, The Shack, and you were just completely just undone by the image that William Paul Young just, just constructs 
in his book, the, the God that you believe in, that you, that you wanted to see, you began to see him there. And, and um, this, this moment, you know, this moment of connection to, to the perfect love of God, this awakening that happens, it's, it's so important. I think that everybody who comes into a greater awareness of who God is has this at some point in their lives that totally kind of shifts the trajectory of, of their, the path ahead. And so um, the, the, the moment, I mean, would you say that that, that shack moment for you uh, what, was that one of the greatest outpourings of love that you experienced at that, well, even, even over the course of your life? Well, let, let's put it this way. After reading The Shack, I wanted to go stand on top of my roof and shout, I love God. <laughs> seriously. No, yeah. seriously. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to just, I had this, this, this overwhelming love inside of me that I just, I didn't know how to express. And I'm like, I love God. Like, that's just what I wanted to do after reading this book. And I told every single person that I could meet or see, excuse me, see that this book, this, but the funny thing about that book, people either love it or hate it. People either get awoken or get disgusted. Yeah. And it really is a heart issue. Sure, absolutely. You know, and yeah. I was so ripe and ready for my father to come and to show me and to show off and to redeem the time, the 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 problems. I mean, there there are so many other stories and encounters and 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 yeah. personal things that God has has done and has shared, but but truly truly he is the potter. And what's so beautiful about a potter is that he can take a lump of clay and if it's not quite right and it's starting to spin in the wrong direction, he can stop it from spinning. He can put his fist down on it and he can start over again and put it back into its original design. And I think that's exactly what he did to me. He took this lump of clay that was just spinning out of control that just was looking for a love from man that that man couldn't fulfill. And I think that was the biggest thing is that I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And when I started to look inward, when I started to hear my father calling to me and starting to claim me as his, when I started to understand my identity, when I got woken from who I wasn't and I started to see who I was, everything changed, everything shifted. And that gift that God gave me, the reason that I do touch by prayer is because I want people to see the father that I discovered. And I feel the best way to share it is with stories and with testimonies, not just by me, but by others who've been transformed and who have had encounters that have changed a person from merely existing into living. Wow. Yeah, that is the the message. And actually, if you could, do you, do you feel like you can, thinking back over the course of your life and thinking about the things that have brought you to where you are today, the the message, do you feel like God has laid a central message? I know you just kind of put, you put a lot of words to it right there, but if you were to make it, if you were to shorten it, like, what is the main message that God has laid on your heart today for the world? Love. Love, yeah. That's it. If it's not about love, it's not about God. Yeah. That's it. And that's why I started doing these hashtag love wells. I mean, God really has been talking to me about what he wants from his kids is to love each other. God does not want a dysfunctional family. He wants a family that's unified. And so if we don't love our brothers and sisters, if we can't look past our differences 
and just still love. I mean, look, my parents and my, my family, my extended family, you know, we've been through stuff. But if you cut me, you'll still find that there's love. No matter how go far you cut me, it doesn't matter. The love is always there. You're not going to ever cut me to where you're going to find hatred. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is amazing, and that's, that's just an just a, a incredible testimony of, of, the, of the love that God showed you and, and the depth that that has. And you, you had this experience with the shack, and then, um, you know, it, it's interesting, too, that you're, you're saying this just because we know that even after we have experiences like that, things don't always get hunky-dory. Things don't always get... Oh, heck um, no. <laughs> it, got <worse>. you know? <laughs> it got worse. It got worse. In fact, things rarely get perfect. And, but it's, it's the deeper work inside. And even when you had, had come to the place to where you're in your closet crying out for men and feeling nothing, um, there was still a deeper work going on inside of you that came to fruition two weeks later when you went to that meeting and you, you received the gift of tongues and started having visions. And then eventually that led to just an outpouring of, every, of all the love that God was, was instilling and installing inside of you, just out to others and the gifts that, he had, that he'd been maturing in you, even from when you were a little girl, just the maturing of the words of knowledge and the prophetic, even when you didn't know what you were doing, <laughs> giving you more understanding as that began to come out and then leading into Touch by Prayer where you get to encourage and inspire uh, people to be that love wherever they happen to be operating, working, playing, whatever. And so just an incredible story. And in the midst of that, getting married to a man who uh, is media centralized, you know, just uh, media at, at his heart, too, mm-hmm. just knowing the knowledge of all that and bringing that together, what, a, what an amazing match. And uh, two amazing children, right? Yeah. And there are two amazing children yeah. along the way. And, and, it's, and, and it's great because both my kids, you know, the, the callings, I mean, Sean Bowles called out Samantha's calling and there have been other people who have spoken about Alex's calling. And it's just so beautiful because see, that's one of the things that, that I really started to understand when I started to, to spend time with the father. And it truly came from spending time. It wasn't through people. It wasn't through books. It, it wasn't through, you know, television. It was through time. So if, if there's something that you want to do, you know, every relationship, it's a time you have to spend time with somebody to get to know them. You know, that's, that's the beautiful thing. A person who gets married in their first year doesn't know as much as somebody who's been spending time with somebody for 10 years or yeah. for 20 years. It's in that time that you get to know the nuances, to know the heart. And that's the biggest thing is we have to know the heart of the father so that we can be weeded, so we can weed out the stuff that's not of him. Yeah. Amen. Um, well, Lisa, I want to thank you, but before I start thanking you, I want to tell you happy birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it to you, happy birthday to you, um, but uh, my rendition may not be very pleasant. I'm sure so, it's wonderful. But happy birthday to you. This is, you're, you're amazing. You're such a blessing in the lives of, of everyone around you. I've been, Karen and I, my wife Karen and I have been so blessed to have you in our lives and and uh, the, the things that you've imparted to us and the encouragement that you've spoken to us has, has lifted us up and just added to the solid, uh, added uh, solid structures onto the foundation that God has laid in our lives. Um, so I just want to thank you for uh, your boldness. I want to thank you for the extravagant way that you love. 
Um, I want to thank you for trusting me with your show tonight. <laughs> you did awesome. <laughs> I really, I'm, seriously, I'm, I'm so honored and privileged to be able to, to come on here and interview you. And so I really want, I thank you so much for trusting me with that. Well, I apologize for it going so long, but I really felt that, you know, um, I'm just the guest today. So you were leading the way. And you know what? It's Holy Spirit show, and he doesn't care about time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much. This has been Touched by Prayer. Uh, I am Jesse Berkey, and thank you so much for joining us. And I want you to remember to reach out and touch someone today. Take care.